The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You ready? Welcome back, everyone, to Buff Hub, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Steve Vega, and today I have Redbeard, the man wonder. Oh, so many nicknames I can go on rants about over and over and over. I mean, he, he's he's just a magical being. He is the mascot. Yes, the mascot, I said. What? Of Buffalo Rumblings. I love you, Jamie D'Amico. Welcome back. I missed you. Oh my God! If you weren't already married, I would propose to you after that introduction. Oh my God! <laughs> I almost just spit the out mascot. my white cloth. <laughs> I, dude, I did not see that coming, and I absolutely loved it. And thank you for inviting me back on here. It's been a very long time, and I remember going on your podcast before you were even part of Buffalo Rumblings, and. And word on the street was, hey, this guy, he's kind of got it. And before you knew it, well, you were brought right into the mix and glad that you were, buddy. Man, it's uh, it, it's been a wild ride. You know, looking back at my my several my several episodes on this pod, I cringe. I'm not going to lie. I cringe. It's It's been a long time coming. And um, yeah, I you know, Jamie, do you have a bobblehead or something? I just want something that I can just I, I want something I can always think about. Uh, when I want to think about you, just like I want to sit here, do a podcast every other week, whether if uh, get, get me a believe mug with with your face on it. Give me a bobblehead. Oh, Give me a flag with believe and you and John Boccasino on there. I, give me something because, man, I love what you guys do. Um, you guys are a staple to this channel. Um, you are literally who I heard for the first time several years ago on Buffalo Rumbling. Is that true? Yes, it was. Oh, wow. So I don't have, at the moment, I don't have a mug or a bobblehead. Would you, God, I can't even say this out loud. Would you settle for a dick pic? Oh, my God. <laughs> dick pic it is. It's fine. All right. It's fine. It's going to be your pick every time you call me. <laughs> How fitting. <laughs> Dude, um, so obviously... Um, this has been a wild season. Uh, we, we've had several uh, hot takes on this channel. And here we are sitting. Uh, well, speaking of hot takes, right? Jack Eichel. 
not even has nothing to do with the Bills. But I wanted Screw to get into guy. this because I know you got it got bitter about it right before we get into the Bills. Jack Eichel. Screw that guy. Why screw him? What I want to know why you hate him so much. I want to know. He, it became very clear that he was a cancer on the locker room and he wanted out and he didn't. And, and I understand the Sabres had been a mess from top to bottom. The Pagulas obviously are not good hockey owners and it's they, they've been a joke for 10 years now. But, you know, he could have been part of the solution. Instead, he just wanted to go away. And this is this is where it gets really petty. You know how most players, when they're interviewed after they've been traded, they always thank the city, they thank their teammates, they do all that stuff? He didn't do any of that. He just moved right on to Vegas. I'm like, ah, come on, man. Yeah, yeah, that, was, that was a little bit weird. I'm not going to lie. I had a premature tweet basically saying that you know, because I live in Vegas and, you know, I'm a fan of Eichel as far as his playing and stuff like that. Oh, sure. He's but great. I said this tweet before, like I basically said, am I, can I be a Sabres and a Knights, you know, fan because I live in Vegas and I, you know, I support Jack Eichel. This was before I noticed that um, he did not have any, he gave no acknowledgement whatsoever to the Sabres organization. But it was interesting because, okay, here, here you go, right? We have... This goes into football too. You get a lot of players who have certain injuries, um, certain situations, and you know, he had a disc that he didn't want fusion therapy for. He wanted a basically an artificial disc inserted. Um, which I, I I don't know, like where do you draw the line? Because the NHL was like, no, we're giving the team the final say, not the player and his representatives, the final say on what happens with um, their, you know, their, their health, player health and whatnot. So, I, you know, it's interesting. It, it is. And that's a tricky subject because you see that actually in football all the time. You had Trent Williams force his way off of the Washington football team for exactly the same reason. Oh, great how point. He ended up with a, a very severe infection that became life threatening that he contracted from their facilities and they wanted to treat it very differently than his doctors were telling him that he should. And in fact, they seemed to be the Washington football team that is seemed to be more worried about their own legal peril than fixing Trent Williams. So he said, that's it. I, I will never suit up for this team again. I I don't know how I would react in a similar situation. If I had a very strong disagreement with my team doctors, I might not feel very good about my organization as a whole. Well, that's 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 where I stand with him, right? Like I understand how he exited, um, you know, screw that guy. It was very disrespectful. Like at least show some class when the organization showed class on thanking him in a tweet um that I don't think he acknowledged or cared about at all, but you know, <laughs> It's one of those things where bygones be bygones, at least. Um, but, you know, maybe he just he has so much bitterness that he still has to process um, on how a lot of things were handled. I've, I've heard a lot of negative things in the past about uh, Carrie and Tim Pagula, all right, about how they run the Sabres. And mm-hmm. um, it's just, it's kind of, I guess, covered in icing, if you will, on what flavor the cake is I see because, what you of, did there. because of yeah, it's, it's all Bruce's fault. Well, uh, he just gets me so hungry with all his uh, Nate Geary podcast stuff, but listen, like literally 
you know what the way they run this the way they run the bills is is amazing. Every turn since the firing of Rex Ryan has been awesome. So why can't they get this in order? I mean, maybe they just needed to just you know just clean clean it out and you know clean out the organization um, as far as the Jack Eichel situation goes and try to just move on and try not to make this mistake again. Uh, I, I think they just had a hard time juggling everything, and hopefully they start to uh, handle business a lot better. I, it's hard for me to really get into it. Again, we're just doing a little snippet. Let's talk about the Bills. Okay, yeah, it, it is a I, Buffalo I, Bills podcast, right? Yeah, it is a Buffalo Bills podcast. But, you know, a lot of people you know, they're in Buffalo, and they're, they're feeling sure. it right now about the cycle yeah. situation. And, uh, uh, guys, I, I don't mean to rub any salt in the wound, but I'll let you know how he plays out here in Vegas, okay? Oh, don't throw the tomatoes. <laughs> Leave me alone. I don't really give a shit. I'm going to go watch him anyways. But, uh, you know, he's right <laughs> down the road from me, damn it. Let me go watch him. Um <laughs> I support that. Yeah, I mean, I love the Sabres, you know, growing up on Pekka and Hashik, but um, we got to talk about these damn Bills, man. Okay, so we're coming off a lackluster win. Okay, mm-hmm. it was hard fought. It's a division game. And a lot of times, this is how division games end up. There's a mm-hmm. lot of crap talk, um, you know, trash talk, all the way up until the game starts. And, you know, I think Bills Mafia, we got to get put on check pretty soon on how much trash we're talking up, up 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 until these games because we're getting our foot put in our mouth pretty frequently. Um, <laughs> you know, especially you come off the Titans game and you think, oh, Josh Allen's going to have a monster game against this team and he's their daddy and blah, 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 blah. He was – I, I don't know. He was their big brother in this last game. He wasn't their daddy, okay? So let's get that straight. That's a good um, analogy. Well, yeah. I mean, come on. You, you can put a beating on your brother, but – you know, if you're if you're, you know, you got a big brother, he typically wins. But you know, he leaves bruised. He leaves you know, kind of scarred up after that after that whole you know fiasco. And that's kind of how I felt about this game. I felt like there was a just sense of come on, like what the hell is going on with this game? You know, and I I almost just wanted to shut it off. Like there was at one point, I just kind of walked away, had a few beers, texted my dad, you know, called my brother see what he was doing and he was just ranting about the game so I couldn't talk to him I hung up and <laughs> went back and just started watching the damn game again and finally they won the freaking thing but you know, Jamie what, what was your perception before we get into this Jaguars matchup with uh, Herbie Pervy over here um, you know what was your what was your reaction my thought was that the Bills came out a little flat the Dolphins came out flying on defense they mixed up their defense pretty well and we're throwing more blitzing at Josh Allen than he has seen in a while. You know, if you go back to last year or the year before, the the book on Josh Allen was, well, you got to do cover one or cover zero and blitz everybody. And then the Bills started burning teams that were doing that. So they haven't seen it in a while. And then when the Dolphins pulled that out, the Bills were a little slow to react to it. So you combine that with the fact that the running game just can't seem to get off the ground these days. The offensive line doesn't block real well. The running backs aren't the most athletic, so they don't create a lot on their own. What that sort of turned out to be was a first half that really the Bills should have been behind in at least 6-3, to three, if not 10-3. to three. Um, You know, that turnover that the Bills got deep in their own end when that that snap happened to hit Mike Gesicki, who was in motion. I mean, that was just dumb luck that that worked out for the Bills. (laughs) Yeah, But 
In the second half, the Bills seemed to move into something that I thought was working very well for them in this game, but something that has been missing to this point in the season, which is using Cole Beasley to move the chains. I think whether it's a combination of they're not scheming him open or Josh Allen is becoming impatient and he's trying to throw deeper downfield, whatever it is, Cole Beasley isn't getting his steady helping of 8 to 12 targets a game. Well, he ended up with 13 targets for 10 receptions. He hit 100 yards again for only, it's like the third time in his career, And he was really the difference in the game. The Bills started moving the ball. They scored seven points in the third quarter, 16 in the fourth quarter. If they had done that the the entire game, it would have been a blowout, but it wasn't. You know, do you agree with any of that? Well, I do. And the underlying, you know, truth about this whole discussion is that the Bills would have gotten destroyed if Deshaun Watson was at quarterback. Oh, for sure. And, and and isn't that sad to say after we've seen the Bills progress so far and this was a game that they need to, they need to literally take this game and put it in their back pocket and remember it for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. You don't barely get beat by the Titans to almost get stomped by the Dolphins in Buffalo. Now, wait a minute. Did they really almost get stomped? I mean, they won well, by more away. than two touchdowns. Quarterback away. Quarterback. And that, and that last touchdown, I mean, Miami was preparing for a run. Josh rolls out. He does the flutie to the right. You know, at the end of the game, yes, it was, it was an exclamation point. Okay. He didn't, they didn't have to score a touchdown. They could have just, you know, run it, ran it, ran it, and then just, you know, kick a field goal, and they still win the game. But it was an ex- exclamation point, and it was kind of a frustration touchdown. I don't think that by any means – uh, you know, Miami should uh, be, you know, discredited for, you know, their efforts. I think, dude, they played a solid game against one of the top teams in the NFL in Buffalo. And if the Bills want to reassert themselves, it's not with Derrick Henry going on IR. It's not with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs slumping. Well, also, they just signed Melvin Ingram, who gave the Bills trouble. So, yes, I sound a little bit like Nick Reich right now, but here's the fact <laughs> is that, dude, Buffalo needs to wake up, dude. They need to wake up. They need to figure out how to dominate again because we're going up against another desperate opponent who would love to tally on their wall that they beat the Bills during the offseason because now, that's going to be something that they'll take as merit. Go ahead. I I think you are correct. I, I think you're correct that this is a team that's hungry, that j- the Jaguars that has nothing to lose. The difference being, I think that the Dolphins are much better than their record, and they showed it against the Bills. They've been to overtime in games. They've lost by less than three points a couple times this season. The Dolphins have been keeping it close. The Jaguars have not. The Jaguars are 30th in the league in offense and 31st in the league on defense. To me, this sounds like the kind of game where the Buffalo Bills are going to get things straightened out. Oh, I hope so, because, hey, just to give you a a, a quick side note here, uh, the Jaguars' only win is against the Miami Dolphins, so maybe they're just a smidgen better, Jamie. 
<laughs> to where they'll give Buffalo more trouble. Well, uh, by the look, transitive properties, I guess you're right. <laughs> I'm just saying, look, this team has been through the ringer. I mean, injuries have mounted up. And look, you draft Travis Etienne, he goes on IR. Mm-hmm. You can't make it up. You know, um, you got DJ Shark Jr. Uh, this was on the 12th of October. It looks like he was out for the season from an ankle injury. That guy's dangerous. So just over and over and over, you're starting to see they lost just key components to what makes the machine hum. And, um, you know, it doesn't really help a young guy like Trevor Lawrence. And for me, if if I'm Buffalo, yes, you're definitely you're, – they're, they're ready to destroy this team with everything if they're if they're running on all cylinders. But this is what we said last week, right? Um, Miami, yes, they were overtime games away from you know having a better record. You name it. But Miami is known for one thing, and they're notorious for it. They have really poor execution as far as winning games, and that all falls on the quarterback. When I look at Jacksonville, yes, they don't have a lot of weapons. And I'm not saying this because I think they have a chance to win. I'm just saying if the Bills want to look like the big boys up top, they need to shut down Trevor Lawrence. And they need to make him look like a rookie quarterback. Make him feel like a rookie quarterback. Not let him do whatever he wants. And maybe he doesn't score, but man, I'm telling you, like, yes, maybe the scoreboard may be lopsided in this game, but... I, I just don't want to see this kid get rolling because that's going to get me more nervous about the game that's coming around the corner, and it's Carson Wentz. Go ahead. I was going to say that there's there's a saying when it comes to picking on somebody or making jokes about groups of people or whatever it is. They say, don't punch down. It's It's in bad taste to punch down over people that are already beaten up a little bit. Well, you know what I would like to see the Bills do this week in Jacksonville? I'd like to see them punch down a lot. (laughs) Um, Trevor Lawrence is, he's talented. I've watched a little bit of the Jags this season, and I haven't been overly impressed, but there hasn't been all that much to be impressed about. He looks like he can throw the ball, but he also looks like a rookie. He looks like a guy who is on a team that just doesn't have much support. And you have a coach who probably, and Urban Meyer, who probably is not really prepared for the NFL. Um, So what do you do with a guy like Joey Lawrence? Oh, I'm sorry, Trevor Lawrence. (laughs) I did that on purpose. Um, You do what the Bills do best. The Bills are really good at confusing young quarterbacks with their coverages on the back end. You disguise those coverages. You make him think that he's looking at one thing and it turns out to be something else. And that's where the turnovers come in. And the way Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde are playing this season, I think that you're going to see some more interceptions happen in this game. There's There's some synergy going on here. Okay, you literally read my mind, James. Sweet. Jordan Poyer. Stamp that name this year, guys, because he is leading the Bills. Okay? Uh, like, let's talk about Jordan Poyer real quick before we go too let's far do off right. This guy deserves a huge spotlight this season. He is playing like one of the best safeties in the NFL. He's playing smart. He's playing efficient. He's taking care of himself whenever he tries to hit. 
I, you know, I've, I've been critical of, you know, having a hard hitting safety. It really helps when you're going against really good teams. But look, when we have situations where we're trying to close something out or we need someone to make a play, Jordan Poyer has been there. Mm-hmm. Jordan Poyer has consistently given the bills a shot. And that's what I love about having a guy like him paired up with Micah Hyde, because when Micah Hyde does his job, Jordan Poyer benefits off of it all the time, but it's not benefiting necessarily. It's executing. Mm -hmm. Like he has, uh, he's the executor. Jordan Poyer is the executor, man. And I, 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 he's 30, he's in his prime. Um, you know, still a ton of upside in what this defense can still do, um, with him at the helm there too. So, you know, Jordan Poyer, what's your take so far as, as what to, what does he bring to this defense? And more importantly, um, what's going to be the, the effect of Jordan Poirier going forward as we get later in the season? You know, I have been on the Jordan Poirier for the Pro Bowl bandwagon in the exact same way I've been on the hashtag bring Ryan Fitzpatrick home bandwagon. <laughs> Because, damn it, we need him as the backup in Buffalo. Anyway. Why not? not? (laughs) Jordan Poyer, I I think, is finally going to get his recognition this year because he's one of the best all-around safeties in the league. We've seen that year in and year out. He was a corner when he was with the Browns, and they let him go in free agency because they didn't see what Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott saw. He does everything well. He's a sound tackler. He can run with guys in coverage. He's got good hands. He's got good instincts. He's athletic. He is a very smart player out there. You just don't see him getting beat too often. I I am just as comfortable with him playing deep in uh, cover two as I am with him going up to the line of scrimmage and playing in the box against the run because he's he's sure-handed both tackling people and intercepting the ball. And really... A lot of defensive backs have terrible hands. They say that's why they became a, a DB and not a receiver in the first place. <laughs> yeah. But you're seeing it this year where he's watching plays develop and he's stepping in front of the ball when when receivers are appearing to be open. Basically, I think he's baiting quarterbacks into making bad throws. He's hanging out. He knows where the quarterback's going to go, and he's just ready to pounce. Three times this year, man. I mean, these guys, these safeties, should both be in the Pro Bowl. It's not easy. It's not easy. I don't understand why they're not in the, in the discussion. Well, you know, I, I yeah, it does come down to being a small market team and um, yeah. what what pays more in the public eye. But anyone who actually watches football, who knows football, players especially, know they got to watch out for Jordan Poyer. Believe and me. there's a reason teams don't go deep against the Bills. Oh yeah, there, there's an absolute reason for it, and number one, it's because Micah Hyde is really good in center field, but you have uh, you have Jordan Poyer on the other side who has excellent ball skills and is very physical despite being smaller in stature. You know it it sucks, but like what a disappointment in the long run it would be to have so much talent on this defense and not win a Super Bowl. Like that's what the Bills need. In my opinion, like I know we're going to talk, we're talking about the Jaguars. I'm getting a little bit off topic because of Jordan Poyer, but I want to appreciate this defense for a minute, guys. Like so many years have gone by where obviously the Bills have gone unrecognized with different players and um, because of 
you know, the quarterback at home, the coaching, all this crap. But the Bills have had great players, but these players are amazing that we have. And the only time I think they're going to get long-term recognition is if we win a Super Bowl. Like, mm-hmm. Jordan Poyer becomes a pro bowler um, every single year if the Bills go to the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Matt Everyone, Milano, too. Oh, Matt Milano, too. You know, I, I can keep going on this list of players that have really emerged in this defense. Um, and even, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the amount of pay per year, you know, these defensive backs would get if the bills went to a super bowl. Um, you know, Levi Wallace would probably get a fat contract, um, next yeah. year, maybe not by the bills. If they go to the super bowl, this but is he's the year for the minimum it. right now. Yeah, he is playing for the minimum. And, and this is the year that it has to happen. Like, Everything is lining up for the Bills right now to take over. And I don't know if it's going to be a Jaguars game, another Dolphins slip up, uh, you know, going to, going up against Carson Wentz, going up against some tougher competition. But I don't know what, what it's going to take for these guys to really kick it in a high gear here. Are they trying to save it for the next stretch? But here's the thing, like getting – you're basically guaranteed a first-round buy right now in the AFC. You're guaranteed right now because Travis Henry, Derek Henry, <laughs> Travis Henry, Derek <laughs> Henry is hurt. He's out for the season. Ryan Tannehill is going to unravel. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes is trying to play catch up. Ben yeah. Roethlisberger is still Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, he, they're hanging in there, but like, like every team that you're looking at, you know, Carson Wentz and the Colts, they just look like they're troubled. Like they can't get it done. Um, and, and like, it just looks like something's always going to go wrong with that team. Like, yeah. I, I don't want to watch the bills anymore feeling like they're not the top dog. Cause I want to call him that everyone wants to call him that Colin coward calls him that. And he dropped him down to number six the other day on the power rankings. He had no choice. Well, that's true because if we really look at it, Aren't the best teams in the NFL all in the NFC right now? Yes. Yeah. And and but he but even before all this fiasco with the Titans game and then uh, you know barely beating the Dolphins, like they lost a lot of interest. And this is this is it's like popularity is like the stock market in the NFL. You know what I mean? Like it, it goes up and down. It all goes off of trends. And you know the Bills are the spirit animal of the NFL, and they need to keep it that way. And the way they keep it that way is by playing fun, playing with energy. You have slip-ups here and there, but you can't lose boneheaded games or play, you know, in, in, in a way where it just doesn't, it, it, you just, you're not, it feels like you're not even watching the Bills. Like, they got to stop making people feel that way. And that, like, this next stretch, it, they can literally fall off the wagon. My partner in crime in one of the other podcasts that I do, Jamie D and Big Newt. Big Newt, shout out to you, man, if you're listening. He's one of the funniest dudes ever. Shout out, uh, but he says all the time that the NFL season is very fluid. Teams go up, teams go down. The Chargers, for example, started off the season hot, and now they're struggling. The Bills, and to your point, we have not seen the best of the Buffalo Bills yet. We have not seen them click on all cylinders because if we do see that, they're going to be winning by 40 points every game. They've won a couple big, but not all of them. The Bills started out last season incredibly hot. 
they were showing us an offense that we had never seen in Buffalo before. We had never seen the ball moved like that, especially quarterback play like that. Even Jim Kelly at his best was not putting up those kinds of stats. It's a different game, different, sort of a different story there. But what you did see is they kind of slowed down a little bit over the course of the season. So maybe teams caught up. Maybe they just weren't as hot as they were. But since we haven't seen the best of the Buffalo Bills yet, this means that they could end up peaking late in the season. And peaking late in the season is exactly what Tampa did last year. At one point, Tampa was, oh God, what was the record? Something like seven and five (laughs) at one point last year. And then they went on to win the Super Bowl. I mean, two games over 500 does not tell me, you know, this is the most dominant team in the league. But they figured it out at the right time. The chemistry came together. The Bills are definitely working out some kinks right now. Josh Allen, we have seen him over the course of this year so far, work some things out mechanically, getting better. Now he's got to improve some of his decision-making. The offensive line, they've reshuffled it. It started playing a little better. Then, of course, the injuries came. Jamie. But, yes. you got to say, but they've picked a hell of a time to do this, right? And I say this with pessimism like yes you have two games where you're going up against the Jaguars that are desperate for a win then you got the Jets where they're on freaking white fever forgot that for the guy's first name <laughs> but they, <Mike>. they <laughs> white fever <laughs> <Michael>. <laughs> like listen like and then they got the Colts they got the Saints Pats and Bucks those last four games I just told you they're all 50 50 they're all 50 50 Yes. Like you, you can't sit here and tell me. And here, I'm going to, I'm going to, here's a hot take, Jamie. The Patriots are an old Dell Beckham away from really starting to make some noise because they're playing really well now. They are. They're putting it together. And Mac Jones has matured quickly. But here's the thing the Bills have a couple of games where their talent alone is going to win out. How many years as Bills fans did we watch games? where they kept it close, but then the team that they were playing, who we knew was better, in the fourth quarter, they just started pulling away. The Bills could pull together three quarters of a good game, but that fourth quarter, you know, the talent won out. And during the drought, we saw that all the time. The Bills are finally a team that can do that. And that's what happened against Miami. That's what's going to happen against, uh, against the Colts and against the Jaguars. And then they're going to be ready. They're going to be ready going into those games. Well, you know, like, I don't know that they're going to win more than one of them. Well, hey, like this this game right here, this is perfect, right? Reset your feet. The the, the drama's over. The the Titans game is two weeks behind now. Get it out of your head, right? Um, you have nothing to worry about right now. What you need to worry about, if you're Buffalo, is laying an egg, and basically winning your division because your division sucks and then going into the playoffs and looking lousy. Like right now, what the bills need to do is reassert themselves. And you have Mm -hmm. a six week stretch where you can do that. Mm -hmm. Jameis Winston is gone. You're going against rookie Mac Jones, right? After Carson Wentz, I'm talking about. And then you got Brady on December 12th. Like there, there is six weeks within this stretch right now where the bills have a chance 
to go into the playoffs, get the first round by, and say, we're here to stay, and we're going back to the damn Super Bowl. But they have to make this six-week stretch matter, and it starts off against Mm -hmm. Jacksonville. They can't go into Jacksonville and play lackluster. They have to go into Jacksonville and knock out every single tooth they have and make Mm -hmm. them feel like a little kitty cat. Like They have no choice because coming off the Miami game, a lot of people lost lost a lot of uh, interest in them. A lot of people are starting to question if this offense is what it truly is. And um, yes, they dug themselves out. Uh, you know, we have the situation with Dawson Knox, but these guys are getting paid a pretty penny. And we are not going up against playoff caliber teams right now. And as we're talking, um, we're recording, the Jets are playing. Actually, I want to look at the score real quick as we're talking. And while you're looking at the score, do you know who is going to this Jacksonville Jaguars game on Sunday? Are are, are you? Me. Okay. Wait, (laughs) I saw a tweet. You're going to Jacksonville. And wait, are you going to the Tampa game? I am. You're so lucky. I hate you. I know. (laughs) Well, okay. So uh, Indianapolis is, uh, they're throttling the New York Jets 21 to 10 right now. And uh, it is what quarter? The second quarter. Yeah. So uh, that that light, that, that hype is gone. Okay, moving on. <laughs> okay, um, look, and, and I mean, it was his first game. It, it, give him credit. I mean, he executed. He did a good job against a really good football team in the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Bengals are doing really well with Joe Burrow and all that company. But they didn't have any tape on him. All right, Let, let's get that right. straight. That was, he just and, jumped in there, and you know, he has a good arm. He, he set a he's in, apparently. Uh, I saw something where his jersey and his record and his name is in the NFL Hall of Fame forever. Because of the game he had against Cincinnati. It's insane. Wow. Well, and you know, if you saw that game, he was Trent Edwards. He didn't throw to anybody that was downfield. It was all guys within four yards of the line of scrimmage who were standing still staring at him. Yeah. I guess he just made the right reads and he dinked and ducked. Yeah. Uh, they just weren't ready for that. And, you know, I'm sure the Colts are compressing the defense and trying to dare him to throw over the top of it. And he can't do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I wanted to talk about Trevor Lawrence real quick, coming, coming back to this game. Um, mm-hmm. He's a turnover machine right now. Um, I feel bad for him. You know, I, I, was, I, was, I was a fan of him in, in, you know, in college. I think, I think he was a great quarterback. And um, you know, I also think that they're a little too good to be true sometimes because of how great the offensive lines are in college football in comparison to other college football teams that are top tier to lower tier. You know, mm-hmm. um, they just sit in a clean pocket for seven, eight seconds, and then they throw the football. But, um, you know, he's become a turnover machine. Uh, maybe it's because, you know, he's he's just being indecisive or um, he's trying to figure out. Oh, there goes my dog barking. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, trying to trying to figure out um, how his arm, his talent fits in the NFL. And, it, you know, it's interesting because that's exactly what I feel I feel like, you know, Josh Allen was a little bit more on the dramatic side, getting the turnovers done, but, um, Trevor Lawrence, I feel like he is, he is the kind of quarterback that I think he, he can eventually figure it out. Um, but it's going to come with a lot of bumps and bruises and, you know, it's like Josh Allen figured out his way in the NFL with his legs. It wasn't his arm. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested to see what Trevor Lawrence is going to do in the NFL to figure out how he fits. Because, you know, Josh Allen popped off the screen, like everyone knows in Minnesota, when he jumps over Anthony Barr. And, you know, he also runs 
straight to the left pylon for a touchdown, and then he makes everyone on opposing defenses afraid of his legs. So my question to you, Jamie, if you're looking at Trevor Lawrence, giving him the benefit of the doubt, what is one thing that you think he can do either in this game or later in the season to give himself an identity in the NFL? I think, and see, this isn't so much talking about like the Heisman moment because, you know, it takes a Heisman moment for people to consider you for MVP and everything else. When I watch Trevor Lawrence play, what I'm seeing is a guy who's trying to do an awful lot because the team around him just isn't getting it done. How many times do you see him put the ball 20 yards downfield in the air? Probably more than you do a lot of other quarterbacks because he's trying to make things happen. Mm -hmm. What I think he can do to get himself on track is to get himself into more of a rhythm. And this may have a lot to do with the offensive coordinator too, Mm. but I think he needs to get himself into a rhythm, take the short passes and try to establish a, like I said, I I, I can't think of a better word than rhythm. That's a perfect word. And I, I feel bad for him because yeah, it's like kind of like what happened to Josh Allen where Josh runs into a team that has zero talent the only thing about Trevor Lawrence's talents, they're they're all on IR. They're not in free agency or <laughs> on some other team. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like Trevor Lawrence has a squad that had a lot of potential coming into this year. I love Shark Jr. I thought that was that sucked really bad for the Jaguars um, that he went into IR. Um, and then he obviously got Travis Etienne, the you know highly anticipated running back out of Clemson, his former teammate. And that chemistry, you know, you start to really see like Joe Burrow and um, his marquee receiver, uh, you know, straight, straight out of college. I mean, he's going, he's, he's popping off with that LSU combo is starting to show. And, um, you know, and that's the thing, like I look at a guy like, you know, Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence. And I think if you gave them some time. And, you know, I, it's kind of irrelevant to this game, right? But if you if you really give them some time to figure out their chemistry, maybe with the read option, um, play action game, you know, a running back being able to slip out and you just know what he's going to do and how he's going to do it, that really does help you. And I think that's something that, um, you know, you look at what the Bills tried to do with, you know, bringing in, uh, you know, Gentry, bringing in Jacob Hollister, just trying to see if how they could e- give an extra spark mm-hmm. to Josh Allen's game. Um, they did not, obviously... Uh, they're not starting. Uh, Tanner Gentry's not starting. <laughs> uh, you know, Hollister's on the Jaguars right now, as a matter of fact. Um, so it, you're looking at what teams are trying to do. And I think they did the right thing by drafting ETN. Um, but you think so? Yeah, I, I, especially if they're trying to rebuild. You, look, you need a good, you need a guy that's good in the backfield. Um, you're building around Josh Allen on the defensive side of the football, um, and you have Miles Jack. You're able to build around those those two defensive players and try to fit guys that um, fit your defense with um, two studs. And then, you know, on on the offensive side, you have Shark Jr. that I think is great. Um, he gets hurt, right? Um, they don't have a tight end, and it's like, okay, so what do we do? We got we got our generational quarterback, and then they bring in their running back that you know he's so familiar with. And I mean, it just this season I feel like is going to be kind of like Joe Burrow's first season. Just mm-hmm. throw it in the garbage can. Um, he's going to look bad. I pray he doesn't get hurt. I never wish that on my worst enemy. I mean, it sucks. You want to like, even when I like whenever everyone, oh, you know, I know you hate, you know, Tom Brady, but wouldn't you prefer if you're playing in the biggest game of the year, 
right? If it's the Super Bowl, do you want, you know, Tom Brady at quarterback or do you want some guy like Blaine Gabbert? No, you want Tom Brady. So you could say you want it, um, yeah, you know, you with want- all the chips on the table. You know hey, I mean? to quote Ric Flair, to be the man, you got to beat the man. That's right. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, and, and that's that's kind of how I see, I'm getting a little bit off track here in my head, but that's kind of how I see this whole thing with um, Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, kind of like a Joe Burrow situation. So sure. it's really hard for me to evaluate, you know, like I'm looking at their stats and I get it. They suck, guys. <laughs> they suck. Um, they do. They're terrible. All right, all right. You know, and and they're dealing with you know, uh, you know, we they they got good players. They got Carlos Hyde. I mean, I think he could still make some noise, but you know, he's he did not practice with a heel injury. Um, you got Andrew Norwell at guard. Mm-hmm. Yep, he's pro bowler. And 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 so I'm looking at their. I mean, their their offensive rank is 27th. I mean, their defense's rank is 28th. It's it just you just get the notion that they they just want to get through this season unscathed. And it doesn't help that they're going against going up against Buffalo, but you get the feeling they want to make noise in Jacksonville, um, just to give their 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 fan base some hope and desire to watch their football games. Um, and you, you know they're they're competitive. Any any team in the NFL is competitive. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. It's not like college football. It's not where the team that's higher ranked is. You know, it's not a matter of whether or not they're going to win. It's by how many points. Yeah. Um, yeah, you you snooze on any NFL team, they can win. And we have seen so much of that over the past few weeks. Any team that seems to be talked about as the best in the AFC almost immediately loses as soon right. as their name is brought up. So, yeah, it, that's why I really want to see the Bills go up quick on the Jags mm-hmm. and just, you know, just take them out of the game. Take the crowd out of the game. Let Bills Mafia take over as we do at away games. And, you know, by halftime, you know, let the the guys on the Jaguars talk about what they're going to be doing this upcoming week. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's that's how they should um, dominate. Absolutely. You know, I will say that one guy that, man, I I still wish the Bills would have drafted him. I know that, you know, different players fell different ways. But LaVisca Chenault Jr., um, I was Mm -hmm. a fan of his... Um, going into that draft, um, and man, I, I feel like he's such a competitive guy. Uh, I, I, I feel like he definitely pops off the screen, and I feel like that's a guy that the Bills still have to be kind of wary about. Um, that's a guy that, that he, can, he, can, he can make big plays. Very unorthodox type dude. Where who, how he can catch the football um, in traffic. Um, so maybe you start seeing them take some chances with him. Um, so, but yeah, I agree with you. If 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 we're gonna prevent them from getting any momentum, it's making sure you you stomp them quick and you stomp them early and you don't let, you know, guys like him get the football, get going, get rolling, get in a rhythm. Um, you take away what, uh, Trevor Lawrence likes to do best. And that is, you know, the RPO action. And Mm -hmm. you want to make sure you keep that under control. And I think the bills did a decent job against, against Miami. I I still think that, you know, and here's the thing I want to talk about, one thing real quick um, that I thought was an interesting topic. And it's about the whole Tua with, you know, this RPO thing. I'm getting into Tua because of the RPO uh, situation with Trevor Lawrence. And here's the thing. RPOs work really well when you have a good number one receiver. You may not win you the game, but they're they're very annoying to deal with when you have a really great receiver. And Worked Miami... really well for the Titans yeah, against the Bills. Hell yeah, it did. 
Um, it was very annoying to watch and it's, it's, and it's a very annoying play, but it works well for the bills too. So, you know, um, what I think about is Miami, for example, has always had great receivers. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Great. Number one receivers. Mm -hmm. As far as I can remember, even at Chris chambers, there has always been a guy. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? That was a good pull right there. (laughs) I mean, I dug back in the, Oh my gosh. In the vault. Like I can name off, I'm going to try my best. I'm going to, I'm going to name off four wide receivers of Miami that I can remember. And, and basically they've, they've always stifled Buffalo. They've always stifled teams. You got Chris Chambers, Devonte Parker, Jarvis Landry, and I'm missing one. Oh God. What's that other one? Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Which one is it, Jamie? I don't know, dude. Okay, we're going to leave it at three. But point being is if you have one good wide receiver to help you run the RPO action, you're always going to be a threat all over the field, especially when you get in the red zone. And that's why the Bills were so well in the red zone last year. Um, The RPO action was amazing. And that's one way that um, you definitely get your offense involved. And that's something that the Bills have to stop against the Jaguars. And that's something that worked against the Bills in this last game. Bet your ass that they're mm-hmm. going to be trying to work that against the Bills. But here's Absolutely. my thing. I want to talk about the Buffalo Bills offense now. They need to do that more with Gabe Davis. Like, he's a big dude. He needs to get more involved in the offense when we're getting in the red zone. People are talking about we're having this red zone anomaly issue. Like, it's just not Bills-esque. But here's the thing. Like, if we're going to be... Um, you know, the bills of last year, we need to get Gabe Davis involved and not wait for Why someone Gabe to get Davis. Well, I just feel like he, whenever you watch him, um, you know, in, in those major games last year, you saw a situation where he was one-on-one and it was always difficult for a defender to stop him. He's a big kid and he's developing. This isn't a guy who's been in the year for eight, been in the league for eight years and he's not proven. Or, you know, he's proven, excuse me. Like, this is a guy who's continuously shown that we can trust him. And okay, like, I get it. What if he, on first or second down in the red zone, doesn't get it done? At least you gave him a shot. Like, don't wait until third down to look for Gabe Davis. That's a guy you should be trying to get involved with, uh, you know, first and second down in the red zone, in RPO action, and, you know, try to feed him the football. I feel like he is someone, especially with Dawson Knox being out, that needs to get more involved, not just when we're trying to stretch the football field, you know, stretch, stretch the field, uh, you know, and we're sitting at the 30, we're trying to get to the other 30. Like, no, Do you like, think he would be more effective than the receivers that they already have on the field in Sanders, Diggs, and Beasley? Well, here's, here's an interesting point. To the Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders factor, when was the last time, I know, I know it may not be an RPO, but when was the last time the Bills trusted Diggs or Emmanuel Sanders on a fade route in the red zone? Great question. The Bills don't run many of those. Why? Probably because they don't feel like they have the height or the ups to go after the ball. But it, it, isn't it so... Big? Dallas just... They, they tossed one up to Amari Cooper for the win. Why can't we do that mm-hmm. to Gabe Davis? Like, that, that's what just... It, it, it just surprised... Like, are we just afraid to turn the ball over? It, he won't turn the ball over if you throw it high enough and over the... You know, at least it'll give him a shot... The defender bats it down, he bats it down. But if there's a mismatch where Gabe Davis is four inches taller than the cornerback on the outside, throw a freaking fade. Mm-hmm. Start involving him in the offense. This is a game where you can do that. They don't really, it got Shaquille, I believe it's Shaquille Griffin. But you don't really have a guy 
on the Jacksonville defense that can match up against everyone. Now everyone's, oh, this is the, this is the breakout game for you know Stephon Diggs. Sure, okay, fine, but I mean, if you have it, if you have a chance where basically you're able to get a guy like you know Gabe Davis involved, then get him involved. And you know, this is the kind of game where if you can get out to that quick lead, like we were talking about. That's when you can start working on those things. And we've seen that, and I'm going to go back to the drought again, but we watched that for years when the Bills were playing talented teams. It's like they were they were using it like a scrimmage at some point. Yeah. Like it became practice. You saw backups in the game. And they they were running different plays that were, you know, out of their typical script. And why were they doing that? Because they could. And when you're going up against a team that is ranked in the bottom of the league in all statistical categories, that's that's the perfect time to work on that. You don't wait until you're playing the Bucks. Yeah, absolutely. And it looks, I mean, from from what I see, there's no one on the offense that the Bills trust with fade routes one on one. It's it's always a slant. I mean, against Miami, it was a slant. Yeah. You know, to 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 get, you know, it's between a zone. Like, it's always one of these passes where they just kind of stop in the zone and, they, and, you know, Josh Allen rifles it through. Stop making him always do that. Defenses are starting to pick it up. Get him in one-on-one situations to throw the football and figure it out. Stop treating Josh Allen like a second-year, you know, freaking quarterback and you think he's not going to be able to make these throws. He can You just have to start running these, Dable. Like, it's just annoying to me because when... Ever I see Brady or I see, you know, quarterbacks of the past, you know, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning. What were they always doing, Jamie? Throwing back shoulder passes. All the time. And it's a yeah. it's a back shoulder, it's a fade route. Like, why yep. can't the Bills do that? You call him, you're you believe he's the MVP. Then let him play like it. In the red zone, they need to start figuring that out, is all I'm saying. Like, I I think they do a great job getting to the red zone and not turning the ball over in the red zone, but we're talking about execution. This is a game where you can start picking that up. Mm-hmm. This is a game where you can start experimenting, so to speak. I think I agree with you wholeheartedly on this one. I I think I want to see some Gabe Davis change it up, put some things on film that make other teams think, at minimum, just to make them think. Yeah. And what what happens if something like if he does get those plays, then he gets those plays and it opens up the offense in so many more ways. Because then what you know what you do? You put Gabe Davis on one side one-on-one, and then they then they're gonna have to double Stephon Diggs. So or what happens if you get Stephon Diggs one-on-one on the other side? Like you're able to basically do whatever the hell you want. And because then you're throwing Emmanuel Sanders in the slot with Beasley on a you know a five receiver uh set, and then there you go. You know. You're, you have to work with what you got, and I think one way to do it is by using your size, and I think like losing Dawson Knox was a knock to the Bills offense because I think they did a great job um, getting him heavily involved, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I also think it was cool, I'm not going to lie, that uh, they didn't sign or trade another tight end, a trade for another tight end. Like Keeping that faith in Dawson Knox, even though he's hurt, says a lot, and hopefully he comes back and he's not you know butterfingers because his hands hurt, but... Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Now, something that is interesting from the Miami game is in the first half, they were very heavily going with four wide personnel and then came back to their 13 personnel with one tight end mm-hmm. and three receivers. And it did pick up for them. But then again, Miami has good defensive backs. 
So they may have needed to get the bigger body and the tight end on the field to do that. Because, I mean, Byron Jones and Xavier Howard are, I mean, that's as good as it gets when it comes to corners. Yeah, on average, you know, I, I definitely think that they do they do a good job, excuse me, with what they do as a defense. But um, again, they, they lack that killer instinct. And I feel like in comparison to guys like Levi Wallace and Tredavious White, you just feel that there's a certain knack to their game that you don't really get from Xavier Howard and Byron Jones's type of game. And I, I've, I've, I've seen now, okay. Could it be that it's because, you know, the Miami dolphins, they just always force the defense in the tough situations. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> you put Xavier Howard on the bills, I think he does a great job, but, um, I just, I, I just feel like, you know, when we're, when we're talking about Miami, um, we're talking about a team as a whole that has really lost their mojo. And mm-hmm. the only way those players are ever going to prove themselves is if they get a new quarterback in Deshaun Watson or if, you know, they draft someone new and they just completely move on and turn their organization around because that's what happened to the Bills. Uh, the defense started, you know, staying off the field a little longer. Uh, they were able to put more pressure on the opposing offense. So that really helps their team as a whole. Um, did I answer you as far as like what I'm saying though? Do you get, oh, sure. do you get what I mean? Absolutely. Okay, cool. You know, you know me, I go down the rabbit hole. I love the rabbit hole. I'm a little rabbit. <laughs> Look at me. Um, Say hi to bugs while you're down there. Yeah, bugs. Oh I love bugs. I love Pepe Le Pew more. I like Pepe Le Pew. Pepe Le Pew is my favorite. Don't leaf. you find him kind of rapey? I don't think Pepe does very well in the Me Too era. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, shame on me. Slap on the wrist. Who gives a shit? Then again, you probably haven't watched it in like 30 years. So yeah, yeah, you're yeah, excused. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, you say anything, you know, these days and someone wants to slap you on the wrist for it. I get it. You know, even in the military, it's like that, dude. I mean, I can't believe you just said that. I'm going to smack you for yes, it. Yes, do it. Do it. Spank me. Okay. Oh, that, uh, let's stop. Let's stop while we're ahead. Jamie. Thank you. We hit an hour. I'm so excited. Well, 52 minutes and 35 seconds to be exact, but it's an hour on my clock. We've been talking off the air and including this podcast. I missed you. Thank you so much for joining me on Buff Hub. I'm sure the fans have enjoyed this one. Um, Listeners all alike. Um, Thank you all for listening. So Jamie, you want to give some closing words here before I close it out? I just wanted to thank you so much for having me back. It's, it's, I feel like I'm home again, man. Thank you. (laughs) Home again. That's what I like to hear. And um, listeners, thank you so much for joining me on Buff Hub, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. Again, I'm your host, Steve Vega. You can find Jamie D'Amico and John Boccasino on the Believe Podcast. I think you know that. Um, One of the greatest podcasts to ever hit um, Buffalo Bills media network, everything. Like I just, I I love that they're still doing their thing to definitely always check them out. When is it? Every... Every Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning, guys. I know our schedules have been switching up since uh, we've been getting all these new podcasts. So um, thank you so much again for joining me on Buff Hub at Buffalo Rumblings Podcast. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Go Bills.